These things, these worries that we have, we take these fears, these burdens, and we lay them down at your feet. All of our ambitions, all of our, all of our accumulations, the things that, uh, that just weigh so heavy on our shoulders and drag us down and slow us down and, and confine us. We just lay them down at your feet, Lord, and we experience this freedom that you give and this hope and this joy. And so, God, speak to us. Speak to us now as we spend this time at your feet, um, this time of freedom as we re- receive your love in our life. And we pray this in Jesus' holy name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. How you doing, Highlands? You, good? you look good. You look like you're doing great. Now, you guys, are you, are you watching the Golden State Warriors recently? I mean, do you know that they are undefeated in the playoffs? Do you guys know that? That's not normal, by the way, to be undefeated in the playoffs. But uh, there's one undefeated dude right here. This is Ben. By the way, do you know who Ben is? This guy right here? This guy has been with us for two years. This is his two-year anniversary, so. Yeah! <laughs> so so uh, I'm just jealous because you have uh, been here for two years, and I've only been here for three months. That means you guys have gotten to be, like, worshiping passionately over all that time, all of the deep, beautiful worship over the past two years, and I didn't get to be a part of that, and I'm kind of jealous. I'm just going to say that. So I love you, man, and we're happy for you. Thank you. And Thanks to Tasha, too, who makes it possible. Awesome, man. Oh, my goodness, it's a good Sunday today. Yes. So, you know, uh, um, you know, we got this thing called this Uncommon Fellowship, this series that we're starting. And it's a, it's a weird word. I mean, it's a weird title for a series, Uncommon Fellowship. But it's really a great description for the church, for the family of God. It's another name for God's people, Uncommon Fellowship. And as we begin this series, uh, we are going to be diving into the story of the beginnings of the church. Now, today is a cool day because it's Ben's second year of being here, right? That's awesome. And it's a cool day because Kathy Serena is, uh, she, our children's ministry director, is retiring today after 30 years of serving other people. And that's a great thing, too. But actually, today is also special because today is the birthday of the church. It's the birthday, not the birthday of Highlands, the birthday of the whole entire church since the beginning. And we know this because that's what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us that, that all of the believers were gathered together on this holiday called Pentecost, which actually means 50. It's not a very good name for a, a festival, really. 50. But the reason they called it 50, this big festival where the whole of Jerusalem was filled, the reason that they called it 50 is because it was 50 days after the even bigger party called Passover. And Passover was the day that Jesus was killed and he was resurrected. So it's 50 days after that. Now, when Jesus was resurrected, he spent 40 days of those 50 days hanging out with people, hanging out with his disciples breaking bread with them, eating with them, spending time with them. He actually, he actually made a fish dinner for his disciples. The Bible tells us that. I don't know why we need to know that information, but it was a barbecue fish dinner. 
He spent time with them, and it says that he shared everything, everything, all the truth with them. But then he met him out on a hill, and he said, I'm leaving now, but I, I, won't, I won't be away from you forever. I, I'm just going to be leaving for a short period of time, but you will, you will actually be closer to me than ever before. And so then he departed from them, gave them the orders to go and make disciples of all nations, which means to, to draw people into this uncommon fellowship that we have and to baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit like we did last week. And, and then to teach them to obey this command that Jesus gave us to love our neighbors, this command that so many people reject and say, I don't want to be a part of that, but this command that we are to love other people. And then we have this incredible moment where the disciples just pray. For a week, they just pray. They have no idea what's coming next. They don't, they don't know what's going to happen, but they're just going to sit there. And, and by the way, if you don't know what's going on, going to happen in your life, if you don't know what's coming next, you feel like nothing's happening, what's a good thing to do? Just, just pray. Absolutely. Just pray and press into God. And that's what they did. And so the scripture tells us that on Pentecost, this big party, all of the disciples, the believers, they're hanging out together in this house and they're praying. And suddenly there's this sound of a rushing wind. Now, last, last week, I said that there was a rushing wind. I said that there was a wind that rushed into the place. But actually, I looked back at the scripture, and it says that it was the sound of a wind, a violent wind that surrounded all of them and surrounded the place. So just think of that. If you ever... If you ever think you know what scripture means, just start reading it a little bit more and you're going to learn more. You'll realize that you need correction, that you need adjustment in, in what scripture means. You just need that, that course correction. Now, there's a couple other things that I wanted to point out, and this is it. On that day of Pentecost, the disciples were hanging out and this wind comes in the room and then divided tongues as of fire, not fire, appears among them, and they land on each person, and they start being able to, to speak in different languages. They start to speak in, uh, in languages that they'd never spoken in before. They speak in Arabic. They speak in Egyptian. They speak in a, uh, the Asiatic languages. We don't know what that was, but in Asiatic languages, they speak in languages. And here's the list of the languages that they spoke in. Do you want to hear them? It says... And I'm sure, let me know. Raise your hand if you speak one of these languages. Are you ready? Parthians, anybody? No. Medes, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia. Anybody know that language? By the Mesopotamian languages. Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. Every single one of those languages were spoken. And the city was full for this festival. And so about 3,000 people surrounded this group of people who are acting bizarre, okay? <laughs> and then one of the people in the crowd says this. It says that they were sneering at him and they were yelling these things. They were saying, they are filled with new wine. They're drunk. Now, this is where Peter thinks that he has a really funny joke. And he opens up his sermon with what he thinks is a funny joke, which is usually a bad thing for a pastor. And he says, no... He says, indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose, for it's only nine o'clock in the morning. Now, the scripture says they didn't laugh either. But then he went along to tell this scripture, and he, he, just like our sermons today, he told this sermon based on Old Testament prophecy and Old Testament scripture. And this is what he said. 
He said, in the last days, this is a quote from Joel. In the last days, it will be God declares that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Not just the boys, but also the girls. Sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Not just the young kids, but also the old kids will receive the Holy Spirit. And it says, even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit. Do you know that the early church was made up of slaves? Most, most of the early Christians were slaves. This is saying that, that this uncommon fellowship is not made up of people who are really rich or just really poor. It's made up of all people everyone. And imagine all the people from the different backgrounds of those crazy countries coming together and hearing the sermon. And then Peter says after this, he says these words from scripture, which he had known, and they are so beautiful. This is what he said. He said, then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. All these people from different countries must have thought, everyone, even me? Oh, he does decide to tell them and remind them that 40, 50 days earlier, they were the same people. He saw a lot of the same faces that had crucified Jesus. He decides to remind them of that during, not a great evangelistic technique probably. And they start to remember that they were a part of this and he builds this truth about who they were, that they were the ones that had killed Jesus. And then it says after he tells this truth about Jesus coming back from the dead and loving people, they, it says that they were cut to the heart. They were cut to their heart. They, were, they felt like they were being stabbed in their heart with the message that he was telling them about who Jesus was and his love. And they say, brothers, what should we do? And Peter says, repent and be baptized, all of you. And so guess what? All of them get baptized. All 3,000 people are baptized that day. This is what the scripture says. It says, that day, those who welcomed his message were baptized. About 3,000 persons were added They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers, and awe came upon everyone. Can I just hear you all say awe? Ah, that's what came upon everyone, right? Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. Do you see that togetherness in that scripture? It's beautiful. And they would sell their possessions and goods. Apparently, this is the very first church garage sale right here. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute all the proceeds to the poor. Isn't that beautiful? As any had need, anyone who had need in the community, day by day as they spent much time together in the temple. Notice they don't spend time together just on Sunday. They spend time together every day in the temple. And then they also broke bread at home and they ate their food with glad and with generous hearts, praising God. You hear that praise? They must have had a really good worship leader like Ben. Praising God and having the goodwill goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. What a beautiful description of the first church. You know, I am jealous that I was not here during those year and nine months when Ben was leading worship and you guys were hanging out and praising Jesus. I wasn't, I didn't get to be a part of that. I get to hear about it. 
How beautiful that, that we weren't part of the early church, but we actually get to hear about the first time that they were hanging out together, about that baptism, about the way that they behaved, the way that they loved each other, the caring behavior they had for each other, that, that there was not a single person in their community who was starving or penniless or needed anything because they just loved each other so much. And I actually, I've heard a lot of sermons about people who say, you know, let's look at the Acts 2 church. Have you heard that before? Let's look at the Acts 2 church and let's try to become like the Acts 2 church, right? That person wants to become like the Acts 2 church right there. <laughs> Beautiful babies, I love them. So it's, the, it's like the Acts, how do we become like the Acts 2 church? Well, if you look at it, and those, those efforts are beautiful, but one of the things that's unique about the Acts 2 church is it wasn't copying another church, right? It was the first. They weren't trying to look like another church. They were looking like what? Like Jesus. By the way, if I ask you a question, the answer is always Jesus. You got it? So they were trying to look like what? There you go. He was looking, they were trying to look like Jesus. They had their focus on Jesus. When you have your focus on Jesus... When your hands are praising Jesus, you can't hold anything else in your hands. You have to let go of everything. You have to release those things that are, that are weighing you down. You, you can't have a total focus on Jesus and be thinking about other things. The other things fade away, and there's a release in your life. And you know, there's this beautiful thing that happens in community that, that when you... I, I've also said this, when someone comes to church and they really want to become a member of this church, that happens the day that they stop coming to church for themselves. You hear that? It's the day that you, you come to church and the person that you're most concerned, you're most worried about being embarrassed is somebody else. It's the day that you come to church and the person that you're most concerned about feeling comfortable is not yourself but another human being that's coming. And you're on the lookout for those people and you want to make sure that they feel welcome. They receive that. And there's this crazy thing, this, this play that happens when you're in un uncommon fellowship, when you're a member of the body of Christ and when you are focused on Jesus, you have this, you have this, this unfolding of yourself. You're no longer myopic. You're no longer focused inward, but you're focused outward. And there's this weird thing that happens when you focus on the needs of others and you're focused on Jesus Christ and you follow Jesus Christ. Somehow you end up in this crazy community when other people are actually focused on loving you. And there's health in that kind of community. And there's never any kind of need in that community. And there's, there's joy. And it's the kind of thing that the Bible talks about. It says that everybody was filled with, what? What were they filled with? No, it's not Jesus. This one's awe, by the way. Gosh. <laughs> Seriously, what is this? <laughs> and they were filled with laughter too. I'm sure they were happy. Now there's a, there's a joke that I heard about a, 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 a kindergarten teacher that asked some kids in Paso Robles. It must have been Kathy Serena if it's okay. So she, one of her classes years ago, she asked these kids from Paso Robles to come and bring in a symbol of their faith. So there was a Jewish kid who brought in a Star of David. There was a Catholic kid who brought in a rosary. And then there was a Christian kid who brought in, from probably from Highlands, a Christian kid that brought in a casserole dish. <laughs> oh, those Highlanders, I don't know about them. They're just all about casserole dishes. 
Yes, we are. <laughs> I've gained 20 pounds since I've been here. That's just a personal confession, I got to tell you. But I worked out once this week, so there's hope. Praise Jesus, praise Jesus. It was for 20 minutes. So um, that's all I could do. Um, we have a table up here because the casserole dish is a perfect illustration of community, of uncommon fellowship. I mean, the reason that Ben is awesome as a worship leader is because he's playing with those misfits and those, those, those miscreants, those strange, exotic, crazy, weird people. All right, it's the band. I'm sorry to call them that, but, but you get the idea. They would never be hanging out together. If it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, it wasn't that focus on Jesus. Do you know that band? They, the band doesn't get paid anything. I think people are shocked by that. They serve. I just love that our band just serves. They just, it's just their act of service. Every week they, they practice and they give and they give. And I know that they receive so much through that, through that community, that uncommon fellowship that's created. It's such a beautiful thing. And, and it's like a casserole dish. All of the ingredients are thrown in together and it's beautiful. And then you have this community made up of people from Egypt and people from Atascadero and Passerobles. <laughs> But you have people from all backgrounds coming together here, and it's like this beautiful casserole dish. And the early church, they spent so much time breaking bread together. If you look in the, in the book of Acts, and I really want to emphasize that, they were always eating together. They were always spending time together. They, there was this thing that happens when you have lunch with another human being. There's a breakdown of the barriers. You become unified with another human being when you just spend time eating with them and, and visiting with them. And, and, and what do you do at lunch? You don't focus on yourself. You're, you're hopefully looking at the other person and listening to the other person. There's this outwardness in a meal. Okay, so when I grew up at a church from the age of 7 to 18, uh, a Presbyterian church in Salt Lake City, and they had after worship every single Sunday a cookie potluck. It was the most glorious thing I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> it was. And I thought it was normal. I thought it was just normal. I thought all communities are like this. Everywhere you go, there's just a cookie potluck. And we would go, and I, the best part is people would stay. You can't, you can't walk away from a cookie potluck after church. It's just like you have to visit it because there were different weird cookies there. And you had to try all 20 of the cookies every single Sunday. And the best part about the cookie potluck is that nobody was making all of the cookies. Everybody just contributed. Like the Holy Spirit must have just spoken to someone, you know, one, one Saturday a month and just said, you know, you should make cupcakes for 50 people. And by the way, if you ever hear that voice on a Saturday night, it is the Holy Spirit. I can confirm it. That, <laughs> yes, this is absolutely do this. this, is, this we, will, we will celebrate it. And as we eat it, we'll be like, this is from God. This is beautiful. It's so good. Okay. But the beauty of it wasn't just that. It was that people would hang out and get to know each other and get to know new people. And, and this, this is what happened one day after fellowship. I walked out of the worship service and on the way to the cookie potluck and there was an old lady sitting on a bench named Yuna. And she said, come over here. I want to tell you a secret. Yeah, it was a little weird, but I said, okay. And I, I went up. I was just a little kid and she said, you're special. You're going to have a great future. 
That was weird. And I walked away and I said, okay, I know I, I got that. And then she told me the next Sunday, she came up and she was, she was totally the normal, most normal lady, sweetest lady, but she focused in on me. And every week she would say, you have a great future. You're really special. And I had that every Sunday and I, no one told me that. No, not like she had. Then in junior high, her husband died. He was a pastor. And she was living in this apartment. And it, after school, I was one of those kids that would be, um, I, I, would, uh, I would hang out at the YMCA until my parents could pick me up because my, my parents were working. Do you know anybody like that? You got that one? Like something like that? You got that already? Uh, and then there was also next down the street a little further was Una Hodge, Hodgkin's house. And so I don't know how I ended up there. I called my parents yesterday. I said, how did I end up at Una Hodgkin's house? And they said, I don't know. But I would, I would go to her house after school, and I remember visiting her after her husband had died, and I remember her offering me a can of Coke and only pouring half of it out and explaining that's because there's two servings in a Coca-Cola can. <laughs> and she had the beautiful piano over against the wall, and I would go over, and I would, I would ask her if she wants me to play something, and she'd be kind enough to appreciate. This dates me a little bit, but like, I thought, you know, it was like I was playing the coolest music I knew, which was like Elton John tunes and Billy Joel tunes. Still cool, but not unanimously cool, just a hint. So, um, but she appreciated it. And the uncommon fellowship is that Una and I became best friends. A 13-year-old kid and an 80-year-old woman, we were best friends. That's the uncommon fellowship. Do you know what my daughter said before worship today? As I was getting ready for church, my five-year-old daughter, I said to her, hey, we're, today is Sunday. Do you know what today is? Yeah, Sunday. I said, we're going to church. And she said, is Kathy going to be there? Is Miss Kathy going to be there, my teacher? That was the thing that she thought of when she was thinking about coming to church. Talk about uncommon fellowship. It's a beautiful thing. Now, the word fellowship in Greek is koinonia. Can you say that with me just because it would be fun? Koinonia. This is what it means. It has two definitions. A deep river of friendship with a common direction. It's not just a deep river of friendship, and it's not just a common direction, but it's both combined together. It's the sense that you have this family. When I came back to Highlands Church three months ago to serve here, I felt like I was with family again. And this is no disrespect to my current family, but I actually sometimes feel like I'm, with, I'm more with family here than I am with my own family. Does anybody else have that feeling, that sense? Yeah, I see some hands. There's this connection. And after worship, we have this time today where Kathy, we, we have cupcakes, we have little goodies that have been set out. But I would like you to stay, not because it, the focus should be on Kathy, because the focus is on Jesus. Actually, do you know that fellowship hour, fellowship time, the time after worship, it's not an after worship thing. It's actually a part of worship thing. Let me tell you how important fellowship is. This is what I tell my staff all the time. And I actually think it would make a great bumper sticker. Are you ready? It's not about whether you get there, but it's about how you get there. Actually, a really long bumper sticker, but you get the idea. It's not about whether you get there, it's about how you get there. You know, if we spend all of our time focused with that common goal and common destination, but we forget the part about the deep river of friendship that is so essential and is actually the outflow 
of the Holy Spirit, then I fear that we will end up someday and we will get to the destination. I want to assure you of that. We will see Jesus face to face. It's not a question of whether he's going to embrace us, but there will be a dialogue where we will have some honest, convicting conversation and the truth will be made known. And I have this fear, not because I'm worried whether he's going to embrace me. I know he's going to do that, but I have this fear that he's going to say, you know what? You you missed the point. You were so focused on the destination that you didn't enjoy the journey. You know, I used to backpack with my family years ago, and I noticed that as a family, we were very destination-focused. We would, we would say, okay, time to get to camp, and we'd put our backpacks on, and we'd hike across the most beautiful scenery, and we'd end up at the campsite, and we'd be tired and fall asleep. And then one day, I said, why are we in such a hurry to get to the campsite? When we're passing the most beautiful scenery in the whole entire world, we've got it all to ourselves. lakes. So that day, I spent nine and a half hours getting to the campsite, and everybody else there was there in two. But you know what? The experience was so beautiful and so rewarding because I wasn't focused on the destination. I was experiencing the journey. Now, that would have been even better if I had been with one other person experiencing the journey. And that's the point. The point is when we, when we want to become the Acts 2 church, who, where do we need to focus? This is that answer, by the way. Jesus. Yes, Exactly. <laughs> I know, that was the leap. <laughs> you guys are pretty good. You follow me. <laughs> Someone once said, you don't think linearly, do you? And I said, no, I think in 3D. It's so awesome. For all you 3D thinkers out there, give me a holler. Anybody else a 3D thinker? <laughs> See, it's that. That's right. Watch out, linear thinkers. Here come the 3D thinkers. <laughs> this church is a casserole dish of personalities and ideas and political viewpoints and perspectives. But do you know what binds us? Absolutely. It's our common focus on Jesus. And when we have that, we experience this thing that is this uncommon, uncharacteristic, amazing fellowship. No other place in the world has babies and old people hanging out, praising together, singing together, worshiping together. I know a lot of people, when they come into worship, they think that uh, they come to worship and they're watching the band. They're watching and listening to the music. That's what they come to do. But I just want to let you know, most of the time, the band is probably watching you. (laughs) And I don't want you to think of yourselves as spectators receiving. This worship thing is actually, this is a choir room. This is a room where we get together as a choir and we start singing together. You know, I actually don't like professional choirs that much. Not well, I like them, but not as much as I like church choirs. I love church choirs because they have like everybody's voice in there. Everybody's given what they got. And it is this sound when you hear a chorus of people singing and praising Jesus. It is so much more beautiful than the one where you chisel out all the impurities and all the imperfections and you have everybody singing the exact note. That is, that is worship. And you know when that one person has the bravery or the selflessness to not care about what their neighbor's thinking or what their neighbor thinks when they sing out loud, when that moment happens and you're suddenly there and you go like, you know what? I'm going to demonstrate courage and I'm going to embarrass myself so that other people don't feel embarrassed. I'm going to shout out because you know what? I know I'm going to make the other person feel a little bit more comfortable. When that happens, the angels sing in heaven. The angels are celebrating when that happens. That's a repentant moment. That's a transformation moment. 
It's a beautiful thing. It's so beautiful. And I love any way you sing. Even if you're one of those guys just like, it's a blood. That's beautiful. <laughs> you need to do it. Bring it in. I love it. I see you guys. This is the, I know that's you. I know that that is your, that is your Adele moment. And you got to do it. <laughs> that's you. Do it. That's your moment. Do you know the angels in heaven, the Bible tells us the angels in heaven sing all day long. And they sing, holy, 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 just on and on and on because they have their focus on Jesus. And yet those angels who are singing all day, every day for all of eternity, with their monofocus on Jesus, when they see a human being having that laser monofocus, the pinnacle of God's creation, having that laser focus on Jesus, and then just joining the chorus, it's the best thing in the world. It's the best. That's uncommon fellowship. And it's actually not just the birthday of the church back then, but it's today the birthday that we celebrate. Let's stand as we prepare our hearts to sing in unity as a chorus for Jesus with monofocus on Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for casserole dishes. Oh my Lord, thank you so much and cookie potlucks. And thank you for every little piece that you create of this church, this uncommon fellowship that we have. And as we dive into this series, Lord, I pray that you would just... Get people to make more cookies for Sunday morning. Bring what they have, their talents, whatever it is, Lord. We pray that every single person would bring who they are to worship. And this would just be a big overflow of generosity. And as the generosity just pours out of us, we would recognize that we receive so much more and, and more valuable things in the fellowship. And Lord, we pray that, that just by our monofocus on you, Lord, we would become that uncommon fellowship where there is not a person who is in need. And then we're just breaking bread and experiencing the fullness of what it means to live life with you at the center. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.